This episode of podcast is brought to you by wearing the new chum scented cologne to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that one would get that you. That was pretty funny. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that bought every album of Cham. I'm Zach. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Frank. And today we are here to talk about Perfect Blue. This is top 10 animes of all time. Well, I think I think if you look on a list, like it actually is like top ten anime movies of all time, but mm. it's it's one of my top anime movies of all time. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I'm very interested to see how you felt about this one because, like, this is kind of like if I didn't get you with this one, then I'm giving up on like anime. It's never movies. gonna happen. I, yeah, it's just, it's just done. Like I can't do anything else for you. Okay. Um. So, Perfect Blue came out in 1999. It was directed by Sotashi Khan. Uh, the screen. 1997, pl- by the way. No, it came out in Japan in 1997, and it was released in America in 1999. Well, then you have to clarify that, Zach. What did it I say? It came out in 1997. I did say 1997. You said 1999. Well, then we I have it recorded. Play it back. Fuck. <laughs> Play, roll the tape back. <laughs> so 1997. Fine. Whatever. Uh, so the screenplay was actually written by... I'm going to butcher. Like Here we name. go. Sadayuki Mori. Good. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I nailed that one. Yeah. Um, you have pretty much like three characters that mean anything this this movie so you have junko awai who plays mima your main character you have rika matsumoto who plays rumi her agent and then you have mosoki akuro who plays me mania the stalker yeah who only really has like about like three lines in the film right. and that's that's pretty much it and if you don't know what perfect blue is about it is a pop singer gives up the career of being uh, a pop singer in order to... <laughs> IMDb is so weird with it. Um, pop singer gives up her career to become an actress. Then she slowly starts to go insane by a stalker who obsessed with her. And then also a ghost from her past. That was... that does that, that, That's like barely... Scratching the surface of the well, no, I mean, movie. that's what it is about, but I don't know. That just, like, didn't seem like a really well-written sentence if you, no. if, on IMDb. <laughs> uh, well, you can write in your own sentences yeah. on IMDb, I think. I, actually, I think you can. I think, like, it has to be approved, but I'm pretty sure you can actually just kind of, like, submit whatever you want. Like, this movie's oh, about so you, whatever. <laughs> you can't put in, this movie's about pee-pee-poopy butthole. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to get approved. <laughs> but uh, I think you. I, I think it is kind of, like, you. Like it's based on, like, the people who use the app. Yes. Um, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, Perfect Blue. What did you think? You didn't like it. I thought this movie was just fine. <laughs> this is one of those just a movie type situations for you? Um, I have a lot to say. Okay. Uh, I, I like the movie. Okay. I think, it's, I think it was fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand, I think, why it was such a big deal when it came out. Um, it's a very impressive uh, debut. Yeah. Um, this is the guy's first movie that he ever made, and I think that there's it's anime, so you have mm-hmm. to you know it's kind of hard to I think convey true like real filmmaking in anime at least in your opinion in like what I like what I'm normally used to anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because this was supposed to be a live-action film originally. I think it would have been better if it was live-action. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Black Swan, which kind of is the... And kind of very similar to this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aronofsky actually owns the rights for this movie. I know. I want to get into that, um, too. <laughs> I think a lot of Aronofsky's career has been based on this guy's movies. Yeah. Um, but I... Yeah, I mean, I watched this... When, when, when the movie finally ended, I felt pretty confused yeah which i'm sure i would not feel nearly as confused if i've gave if i gave this multiple viewings i'm i think that the filmmaker's intention is for you to feel kind of confused Mm -hmm. honestly at least like upon first viewing like he doesn't want you to get it because you don't really get any concrete answers on pretty much anything really yeah in this movie um and i don't know I, i i've this movie somehow like simultaneously felt like what it was going for for me mm-hmm. the the themes that it's going for it never truly dives into them in like a deep and impactful way it feels very surface level to me and while i know i feel like <laughs> I, I can i can feel i can feel you like mm. brewing right now I, I don't know. For me personally, I felt like it wasn't very impactful or deep and like it didn't truly explore the themes and it would I think it would have benefited for being longer. I mean, this movie's not even 90 minutes. Yeah. But simultaneously, I also s- somehow felt like while it was not a very long movie at all, it felt really like it felt like the movie was dragging for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of the editing. And while the editing is really cool in this movie, I do think that it kind of suffers from what I was finding with um Actually, a, good, a handful of movies that we've been doing lately where I'm just finding myself very, like, exhausted and tiring. Yeah. And I think that that is uh, one of the things that happens when a movie... When, you've, when you're finding a movie tiring or exhausting, I think that it tends to feel more tedious to get through. So even though this movie isn't that long, it felt longer than it was because because of all of the jump cuts and all of the the, the going back and forth and all mm. of the different like scenes flowing into one another. And like again, it, it was re- it's cool to see and it was impressive. It wasn't nearly as impressive to me if it was done via live action because okay. that's different, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if if all these jump cuts and all and all these things are happening in a live action film, to me that's more impressive because it's anime. You can do whatever you want. It's animated. You can draw and do whatever you want. So like, I didn't find it nearly as impressive as maybe some. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for 1997 it was really impressive. Yeah. But now watching it in 2023, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's cool, but like, it's not the most groundbreaking thing I've ever seen. Um. So yeah, I found myself really kind of tired by the end of this movie, and then also kind of unfulfilled. I was like, it it didn't. I don't know. It didn't quite. It didn't. I, it didn't hook me the way that I really wanted it to. Yeah, I get it because it's like the the last like few minutes of it, you are kind of left like confused on like what everything means and like what was real and what wasn't real. And I yeah, get you, that. Like, yeah, you're very confused. Yeah, I I understand too. Like. Because the last, like, half an hour of this film is, like, really what, like, starts ramping up and gets going. And it becomes cool where it's, like, and we'll get into it where it's, like, the cuts of, like, you know, when she's, like, acting, like, for the scene in the movie. But then it cuts to, like, her in, like, her apartment. And it's, like, take two. And then she's talking to Rumi. And then it's, like, why did you say Rumi? Because, like, we're on the set again. It's, like, that whole stuff. Yeah. Really, really cool. Like, that was keeping me engaged. But I get it where it's, like, the build up to that is a little long. Like, even, like, the beginning shot, even though, like, it's fun, it's an homage to, like, Power Rangers, which came from, like, Japan, it's, like, 
Like, that doesn't have anything to do with the story. No, it doesn't. And, like, I don't know. There, there's definitely, you know, you know, there's something to be said, I think, about what, what um, uh, what's his name? Satoshi is mm-hmm. trying to say here about, well, I guess not even him, technically, because he didn't even write it. So, I mm-hmm. guess it's more of a... Sadayuki? Yeah, Sadayuki is trying to say here uh, about, like, pop culture mm-hmm. and fame versus like regular people, you know, quote unquote yeah. regular people and like how we idolize them and how they look. Cause I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, listen, I did like no research on this movie at all. <laughs> I just watched this movie and then mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So like, I don't know if there's, there's, I mean, I'm sure this movie came out, you know, over, over, uh, 20 years ago. So I'm sure there's been deep analysis of this film and oh, whatnot yeah. and break, breakdowns and whatnot. I have researched none of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I did notice that I thought was pretty cool upon first viewing was how how detailed the the faces of like the pop stars and the celebrities were versus mm-hmm. like the average people. The average people have like no facial features. They're like very average looking yes. and they don't have really anything like defining characteristics about themselves. And then you look at um, like the pop, the pop icons and the celebrities, and they all look really beautiful, and they mm-hmm. have like very like jagged lines to and hard and hard edges to like really define who they are. Yeah, I was like, that's really cool. I like that. That's that that's a that's a really cool little little thing. There's a lot about this movie that um I do think I do like. Mm-hmm. I just again I well I we'll talk about it towards the end I guess, but like it definitely does not stick the landing to me like at all. I get it, and like. For me, like, this is this is such, like, I, I watched this, I think, like, I want to say, like, early 2000s. Like, this was something that, like, came on, like, Toonami on, like, Saturdays. And it was like, I need to check this out. And it's like, again, it's this nostalgia feeling for me, at least, where that 90s, like, animation is, like, so much better than, like, anything that's put out right now, really, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I just get hooked on into it, like, immediately. Yeah. Um. Again, Darren Aronofsky, very surprised. I did not know this. Um, I learned about this while doing research for this movie. Um, that, yeah, he owns the rights to this film. He's a huge, like, anime fan. He's a huge, like, Perfect Blue fan. Um, and he the one of the main reasons why he bought the rights to this film was because, weirdly enough, in Requiem for a Dream, he wanted to use the bathtub scene. Yeah. And he wanted to, like, basically completely like rip it off right and it's like oh i can't do that because like it, it's kind of copywritten through perfect blue but like let me buy it let me buy it so i can do whatever i want exactly and yeah i mean and a it, lot of his careers seems to be ba- like on it watch it this is the only film that i've seen by um satoshi khan mm-hmm. i know he's got that one film paprika i've never seen paprika paprika is on my list to watch um but aronofsky seems like from from watching this movie alone, it feels like Aronofsky's almost entire like filmography has been based on like, <laughs> like this this guy's work. You're just like shattered because like no you're no, no. Like, I mean I mean I get it like every great director and every great you know artist of some kind always pulls from somewhere yeah and you know I there's probably a lot of filmmakers who have taken from this guy and been influenced by him. Um, I think Aronofsky is probably the most notable. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, like, it doesn't bother me necessarily. Like, Tarantino's entire fucking career is stealing people's ideas. Yeah. Like, go watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Like, mm-hmm. that is literally everything. That is in Tarantino's entire <laughs> filmography. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, you know, like, offended by it in any way. Um, I just, I, I mean, it's cool that, you know, you, you, you get influenced by things, then you make it your own. Yeah. And that's great. I'm totally about that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, but it did make me roll my eyes 
when what you were talking about in that opening shot because mm-hmm. I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't watch the trailers yeah. and I see like this Power Ranger thing and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> it's like, what did he immediately? Pick? I'm like, oh my god, dude! Mm-hmm. Please tell me this is not what the movie is. And then it turns into <laughs> something else. But I was like, all right, good. Yeah. Well, that was that was almost. I was like so pissed at you. <laughs> I just pick a Power Rangers like anime movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you weren't gonna do research on it. Um. So yeah. So I'm I'm actually a little surprised that like you think like a lot of this stuff is like surface level. Um, I, so, okay. I'll let you say your piece. Go okay. Ahead. So, I mean, like, I, I really enjoy, like, the themes of this film. I, I think, like, breaking down the idea of, like, pop idol versus, like, trying to have, like, a real life is, like, shown pretty well throughout this film. Like, immediately to, like, early, early opening shots of it where it's, like, you know, uh, Mima and the rest of Cham are, like, singing and then, like, it literally cuts to, like, her doing mundane things, like, being on the train, going to get milk, like coming back home, feeding her fish, yeah. stuff like that. And then like cutting back to like her being a pop idol. And something that I found out too, I thought was really cool is like a lot of the times in like animation, like it's very easy to like have everything like sync up where it's like, oh, you're drawing it. So therefore like it can be like perfectly matched up together. And I like the idea that like when they're all like dancing and singing together, like they're not moving like perfectly in sync just how like real boy bands and like pop stars would do like in in real life like on stage like they're not going to be perfectly in sync like yeah. the entire time yeah so i thought that was really cool um i i like the idea of like you know when she becomes like an actress that like she starts to kind of like go insane a little bit like she feels like she's a bit of like a sellout and like all these different roads that she's taking on of like you know, doing, like, the modeling and trying to become, like, an actress on, like, the movie. And then, like, um, the weird rape scene that's always, like, super uncomfortable. That's, like, one thing that, like, I never really like in films is, like, when you do, like, a rape scene. Yeah. And it's, like, that's a little little awkward, even if it is, like, for, air quotes, a movie in the movie. In a movie, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of meta, like, in that sense to it. Um, and just, like, the paranoia aspect to it of, like, getting lost in your role, like, towards the later half of, like, the film where it's, like, again, how I talked about where, you know, she's speaking with, like, Rumi and it's, like, oh, like, why did you say that? My name's not Rumi in this movie. And, like, it cuts back to, like, her, like, on set. Yeah. And then, like, her seeing the stalker and then, like, her waking up and then her seeing, like, different people, like, throughout, like, the movie again. It's, like, this this is cool. Like, I like the idea that, like, she's literally getting lost in the role which... I'm assuming under like my personal opinion, many actors have to deal with where it's like besides Daniel Day Lewis, who just (laughs) gives himself to it for like eight months. It's like if, if an actor is working on like multiple things at a time, it's like at some point you're going to blur the lines of like everything. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool of like showcasing that in this. Yeah, I think that some of the things are explored well. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I think that that ex- I, I agree with you on that. The idea of of the lines being blurred of reality versus stardom, and which which one is she, and who is she really, and is she either one of these or like all of that. I I do I agree with you. I do think that that for the most part is explored pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that kind of has to be because that's what the entire film is kind of about and yeah. like that is what what i was talking about earlier about like all of the cutting in between like you know in different scenes getting spliced together and then you're here and then you're there and then you're back here again and all that like that that is obviously shown really well because that is 
the entire movie. Yeah. So I agree with you on that. I also really liked the um the elevator scene where that guy gets murdered. Oh yeah. That was a cool like little horror mm-hmm. um uh, scene where he's walking through the uh car like where like what is it called like a like a valley yeah, the area, parking, area. And, parking garage and and like the you know he's hearing like little noises and whatever mm-hmm. and then he, and then you hear like the music playing and then it's a really like distorted boombox playing yeah. the music that comes down and then and it's the fucking next, jam. Yeah, and then the <laughs> next shot is him like with his eyes ripped out of his head mm-hmm. and he's like dead in the elevator. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Did um, you like the um the pizza delivery scene too of that? Uh, the pizza delivery scene was cool and I did appreciate the whole thing of when um because at that point I believe it was Rumi, right? That was actually the murderer in that one. This is where things got really confusing for me. Yeah. I think that was Rumi actually, like being the killer. Yeah, I mean it. it it's kind of left up to interpretation where it's like it's more it's more than likely Rumi, but it kind of like makes you think that it was Mima because right. that was the photographer that asked her to do like the nude photos. Right. I think it was Rumi. Yeah, uh, more than likely. And then like I, I like the idea of the the movie or like mm-hmm. you know of her like playing in the background. And then as she's stabbing, the blood is going onto, like, the screen. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Like, there's a lot of attention to detail in this movie that I think is done really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that that was really cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then even, too, like, she goes on the set, like, afterwards, and it's like, oh, she has to, like, murder a guy with, like, an ice pick. Yeah. And it's like, again, like, okay, now it's blurring the lines of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For whatever reason, like, every time that I watch this movie, like, her apartment always, like, captivates me. Um, Just, like, the layout of it and, like... You can you can see like, you know, early on where it's like she has all the stuff of like Cham and like she starts to take everything down because she wants to be taken more serious as like an actress. And it's like the like there's no more posters on the wall. Like it's more kind of like adult esque. Yeah. Um. But I always appreciate too where it's like you know she is this like pop star like she's getting like all this money and she's still living in like this tiny apartment with like all of her clothes literally like hanging from the ceiling because she has no room to put anything. Um, And then like later on too, like how the apartment like slowly starts to change where it's like, you know, she'll have like more groceries or she'll have like uh, different pillows or she'll have like a different way that the bed is set up throughout the film. And then like the whole idea of like, um, which I was trying to connect like a little hard, like without looking it up of like her fish when like she comes home and like she has like 10 of them and they all died They're all dead yeah yeah and then like she she like goes and like cries like for a second and then like gets up and then sees that there's only two in there and then they're, they're like swimming around yeah and it's like this like to me it was like this thing of like okay maybe you can kind of connect it to where it's like when the fish are like multiplied or dead like one you can be like okay this isn't like actually reality for her like this is just her like kind of like splitting in between or it could be like these things that like she's starting to neglect in her life right because like now it's like she's neglecting her friends she's neglecting like her family she's neglecting like herself yeah exactly (laughs) yeah uh yeah the dead fish thing was kind of confusing but i think that had to do with Rumi, right it's it's a little hard to say like again like the the ending is a little hard to like kind of like comprehend especially like you said like if you watch it once yeah because it's like you are kind of led to believe that like this whole time it was Rumi that was doing it and i mean she has her like a almost identical bedroom like she she yeah. has like the the bedroom that um 
Mima finds herself in thinking mm-hmm. that it's her own bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but there's like these little tiny inconsistencies, but it's almost like picture perfect. Yeah. And it's like this, this thing where it's like, okay, cause it, it sucks. Cause it's like, it's literally like a throwaway line. And like, you have to kind of remember that to understand like where Rumi's headset or headspace is where it's like when, when her and like the other agent are like talking about like, you know, roles for like the, like what's next for her. And, like, it gets brought up that Rumi was, like, oh, like, she used to be, like, a pop idol, but, like, her time, like, fizzled out. Yeah. So, it's, like, she took what was probably, like, the best approach for her and got into, like, agency for these types of things, which she still knows the business. But then it's, like, it's kind of leading you to believe that, like, she kind of went crazy because she's longing for this career that Mima is giving up. Yeah. That, like, she never got to, like, fully, fully develop. So it's like that's why she's kind of going crazy and like murdering all these people for her and then like trying to murder her because she wants to be Mima at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't love when the killer's being kind of revealed as Rumi. Yeah. It was I'm, like, eh, like it, it could have, I don't know. It could have, I think, I don't think it ran deep enough for me personally that yeah. like, I was like, ah, it, it wasn't, I feel like it could have been somebody else. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't give you enough to like make you think that like it's deserving to be Rumi. Yeah, or it could have um, been Mima herself. Yes, I think Mima herself, like it would have been like a little bit more of like, okay, like we get why because like she's doing all these things and like she's going under this like new kind of like psychosis basically right. so like it she makes doesn't more remember sense. anything exactly she's doing and it, it's kind of like led in there too because it's like they're already doing it with the movie that they're making where it's like oh she's the killer because she has like split personality disorder right yeah and then like i but it's weird too because it's like on the opposite end of like the stalker of me mania is like it, it again kind of leads you to believe that like it's not really like he's not really real yeah like, and he's like, kind of he doesn't really add much to the story no. truthfully and like you kind of you kind of get the idea of like okay he will be something and then he's never anything and like you can chalk that up to like in my opinion where it's like you know he's not like me mania isn't really real it's like a an idea for like anybody who's a pop star where it's like you have these stalkers and you never know like who is really like out there like being way too obsessed with you to the point where it's like they want to like try and like murder you and become you. Yeah. Which happens unfortunately, but like he's more of just this I like idea rather than an actual character. Because like when when he like shows up backstage and like Mima like hammers him in the head and then he's gone. Right. It's like Okay, he didn't get up and, like, walk away from a hammer shot to the head. He's just not really real. Yeah. Yeah, because then she gets... Then she, like, looks up, and then she's on stage again. Exactly. And, again, I mean, you you, you don't know. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. Is like, I'm fine. I guess... I've kind of said this before about being confused in films where, like, if you feel like you're in good hands, then it's okay. Yeah. And I guess to a certain degree, I felt like I was in pretty good hands. But I will say that, you know, when when an audience member truly is, like, really confused mm-hmm. and doesn't know what's going on anymore, you kind of lose them. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's really hard to get, get somebody back after they're gone. Yeah. And... I, this movie is so confusing <laughs> and where, I like guess... you get lost and you're just like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't yeah. know what's up or what's down. And again, I think that was kind of the point, mm-hmm. but it's tough when it comes to like enjoyability for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've said this before, like I really enjoy like ambiguous stuff, like ambiguous endings and like 
ideas that like I have to kind of try and like figure out. But like, yeah, after like a certain point, like if I have to go look up like a video on like what this meant, yeah, then it becomes like a okay, like it, it kind of takes the fun out of it, and then I got to go back and rewatch the film to like try and get it again. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. To me, like Perfect Blue gets a pass for that because like I've seen it so many times. And it's like, I kind of like on the third time, I kind of got like what the movie was trying to go for. Mm. Well, now let's unpack my my main issue. With yes. The movie. <laughs> uh, which is that Mima says a line at the end of the film where she basically says something to the effect of like, no, it, I'm real. If, it, no, 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 no. She goes, um, if it wasn't for Rumi, like I wouldn't, what'd she say? I wouldn't have found myself or something like that. I wouldn't have like found who my, 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 my true identity or something like that. Mm hmm. Um, and I just like, don't understand what how. that means. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I understand what that means, but mm. I don't understand how, like yeah. she never, the, my, my main issue with the film as to like what I was talking about of like, that doesn't really explore the themes deep enough is Mima never really confronts her issues. Yeah. Everything that that you're that you're being led through she's running away from she's she's trying to get out of she's never she never confronts she never overcomes anything the most is again me mania the stalker yeah other than that but that again and like that might not even be real yeah. and granted like she 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 defends herself in that situation but like never truly triumphs over yeah it. exactly mm-hmm. so like how like it just it, it makes everything feel so not worth it in the end like the mm-hmm. rest of the movie almost feels not worth it when your character doesn't act isn't actually triumphant and like doesn't actually like i don't think that that ending line of her being like no i'm real and like she's mm-hmm. like supposed to be good and all happy like is really deserved at yeah. that point because she never accomplishes anything in this movie she doesn't get past anything she doesn't she doesn't actually work through her issues or overcome anything she just deals with it and it's just like i don't know if that really is like i don't know if that ending is then justified because i mean and the ending is also left ambiguous as shit it's like you don't really know know even if that's really her or not yeah because (laughs) like you growing out your hair doesn't signify (laughs) that you've grown in any way yeah so like i don't know i i really i was really disappointed with that where it's like the end like she actually ends up saving um Rumi. Rumi. Yeah. From like, from the uh you know what uh the the, the car they, they kind of end up both that's getting a great hit. Shot, it's, a, it's a really cool shot of her standing and like the headlights coming and all that. And really it's like cool. the crowd chanting. Yeah. Thing. Really cool shot. Mm-hmm. But it being a cool shot doesn't <laughs> no, it doesn't save the fact does, of no. like what it means. Yeah, exactly. And no, like I don't I know. It. I really, really was pretty disappointed with I I thought for sure that this movie was going to at least land mm-hmm. at like what on a concrete like surface and be like yes like she has overcome and she just doesn't yeah i mean and it's really disappointing in my opinion i know because like you kind of like her going to see rumi in like this like institute like leads you to believe that like okay she's become like a successful actress because like even the nurses like as she's leaving are like oh my god do you see that that can't be her right yeah it's like okay like she she obviously has like made it an, as an actress and like i don't know like to me like her going through like the issues with like Rumi of like her trying to like murder her and take her place and then like her ultimately like saving her life at the end of it is like some way shape or form of like her making peace with like her pop idol self 
And that's where she can kind of like move on to become the actress finally. Mm-hmm. That's like the best way that like I can interpret it. That <laughs> like it it feels like somewhat of a win to me for her. Okay. Because it's like you do get like certain points. Like again, like how I said, like you know she defends herself against like the stalker. If it actually is her and not Rumi that like stabs the the photographer. Then it's like, okay, she got, like, revenge on that of, like, people taking advantage of, like, women in the industry. Yeah. And then, like, her, again, like, saving Rumi, like, is her kind of, like, saving herself from, like, the pop idol star and, like, being able to move on. So it's like, there, you can, you can kind of, like, you have to dig deep, but you can kind of. You have to dig and you have to be open for interpretation where it's like, it's. Is it Rumi or is it not? And then you have to like make your own decision as like was Rumi the killer, the killing that photographer, or was it Mima? And like, in my opinion, it was Rumi. Yeah. So like that that chunk of what you're explaining doesn't really work for me. Exactly. But it it can work for you. So I mean, it's all up to interpretation, and you don't you're never going to get a concrete answer. Um, and it's I don't know, it's kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Rumi's eyes are like too far apart. Okay. <laughs> that was, like, always something that bothered me with, like... Like, everybody else looks, like, spot on. Like, like they look like they could just, like, be plucked and, like, put into the real world. And, like, Rumi's eyes are just, like, really far apart from each other. <laughs> like, why would you draw them that way? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess anime's not for me. I guess not, <laughs> man. I, I, gave, I gave it the old college try of three. Yeah. I think four, even. I, I think I shot at, like, Grave of the Fireflies, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just... And I also just find... Like, you really love this animation style. I mm-hmm. really have a hard time with this animation style. I, I, I have a hard time, like, connecting with the characters and feeling for the characters because of how they're drawn. Yeah. And I feel so disconnected from them. It's just... I don't know how. Like, like I can still, like, kind of look at them and just be, like, in it. I, I can't. I, mean, I think it probably is just because you grew up with it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you've 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 been watching this type of um, animation and whatnot since you were a child. And I just... I find it so... Like, they don't have... I grew up watching, like, Disney film, like, modern Disney films, not even, like, the classic ones. Yeah. So I was watching, like, Pixar's, like, Finding Nemo's and stuff. And, like, I'm fi- I find myself looking at into the eyes of these characters and there's no depth there Mm -hmm. like like a finding nemo where it's like you everything's all 3d and like three-dimensional and it looks really good and you can actually like truly get the the expressions through like their eyes and stuff and like it just doesn't these animes just don't have that Mm -hmm. where it that level of detail of truly being able to like see almost the soul of the person and it's just because the fish have human faces I don't know. It's just it, it, it's just how I, I grew up watching Pixar movies and modern Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I find myself being more I find myself being able to like relate and care for like Toy Story. Yeah. And their toys because like you could just like see them like their their eyes and everything about them. Like they're they, you can feel the emotion. And I just I have a hard time feeling the emotional impact that. Um, that this type of animation delivers just because I, f- I feel so disconnected from the mm-hmm. animation. I think I that's it. one of my main issues with it. Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, it's so easy. And, like, I, I almost think where it's like, oh, like, you can just, like, translate that from, like, 
that Pixar style into this, but like it's not that easy for it. Right. Yeah. And I that's why I was said in the beginning of this where I was like, man, I kind of wish that this was live action. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would have enjoyed this movie a bit more, even if if it, nothing changed. Yeah, and it was just live action. Yeah, if everything stayed exactly the same, but it was live action, I, I at least would have, I think, felt more for the characters. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> eight ice picks out of ten. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty indifferent about this movie. Yeah, like, I, I feel like you're at like a five, a five. at best. <laughs> yeah, it's really like just. Between the animation style that I just, you know, don't really love and then it not really sticking the landing for me and it making it feel like the whole movie was almost not even worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't really much of like a huge character arc. Uh, yeah, it just it, it, it was a tough it's a tough sell for me on this one. I get it. Sorry, well, I tried I, with anime I, and I and I <laughs> genuinely try to like. Yeah. I'm not being a dick about it. I know. This. Like you 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 <laughs> liked Akira. I thought Akira was really you, cool. You liked Princess Mononoke. Yeah. You thought Grave of the Fireflies was okay. Yeah. You think this is like okay. Yeah, I think this is fine. Yeah. I'm really I I, I wish I could. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I loved it as much as you guys do. Um but it's just not they just they tend to they tend to miss more than hit for me. Mm-hmm. Well, so. in that case I got a recommendation. <laughs> uh one that you actually will like. Okay. Um so like how I do this thing where it's like and it's a music recommendation. Um, how I do this thing where it's like I go through and like I listen to like everything from a band and like I really like give myself to like everything that they've created and see like how I like it. Yeah. Um, so I finally got around to doing that for Glass Animals. And I got to say like I, like Glass Animals. I was like I was pretty like blown away by like. The main one that I want to recommend is like their first album, Zappa. Zappa's really cool. I, I think it's probably their strongest album out of the three. Um, I have started to really like. Is it Dreamland? Th- the the newest one. Yeah, I didn't really like it. Um, I like Heat Waves and like Space Ghost Coast to Coast is like my new favorite song. Um, like I but can't. But they're 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 uh they're sophomore. It was like you. What is it called? You human. How to be a human being? I think is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, with um the other side of paradise, which yeah. I think you showed me that song yeah, originally. That's a banger. I like yeah. that album. It's okay. It's it's. I think it kind of like goes in like the tier list. But like Zaba was like the one for me. I think the the use of like tambourines and like drums throughout like most of the songs. Yeah. Just and like the whole like kind of theme of like the album being like this very jungle like Amazon style. I think yeah. it worked like so well, including with um Dave Bailey's voice for this, which I found out like you know he he was like the main creator the main singer uh main producer main writer for everything so like he really does everything along with like his friends that are in the band yeah um but like yeah like that that whole album of just being like this very like amazon style and like obviously like gooey was like gooey's really cool i like gooey a lot like that was kind of like the song where i was like okay maybe i gotta give these guys like more of a listen to yeah um that was like their hit one for it but like i mean Black Mamba, Walla Walla, uh, Toes, those are, like, really, really great songs. Even, like, I think their last song off of it, uh, J-R-N-D. Yeah, yep. Um, Really, really like that song, too. Like, it's just, like, these very, like, it's different from, like, how the the rest of their albums are, where it's, like, they kind of gradually went more into, like, this poppier kind of sound. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't really love this, the, their, their most recent album. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh, I don't know. This is, like, a little too clean and, like, yeah. just, like sugary sweet almost, you yeah. know? Like, I'm like, eh. And then adding, like, some rap into it. It's yeah. like, you're getting more into, like, that hip-hop style yeah. where, like, first album of Zaba is, like, 
like there's nothing they almost felt unique like it. yeah they felt yeah. very unique on that album it's it's very much like in the same sense of like everything everything and alt j where it's like it's just a unique sound that you can't really pinpoint to anything yeah other than kind of like indie-ish rock right yeah um but yeah like zaba was like the one for me where i was like man these guys are great yeah i i really like those first two albums a lot mm-hmm. um i've like really stepped away from pop uh i've like stepped away from so much music yeah i'm like only listening to like rock mm-hmm. like modern rock and then, like, anything that kind of falls on the under the umbrella of rocks, so, like, experimental and psychedelic and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then just jazz. And, like, yeah. that's all I'm listening <laughs> to. Like, I've stepped away from hip-hop almost entirely. Mm-hmm. And I've stepped away from pop almost entirely. Um, but I like Glass Animals a lot. Yeah. They're really cool. <laughs> so, uh, if anything, go check out their first album, Zappa. Like, really get used to, like, their sound. Yeah. Like I really like that. Yeah, he actually did a really cool when when uh, when the pandemic was in full swing. He did a really cool cover of a uh, a Nirvana song. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but I was like, I kind of like this more <laughs> than the original. <laughs> which I know is blasphemy. Like, I know it's not a popular opinion, but I was like, I don't know. It's, you should yeah go on YouTube and you can find like his kind of like quarantine uh, okay just like things that he was doing mm-hmm. and he was just producing his own music and doing covers and stuff. I think he did one of like Lana Del Rey, okay, uh, and then I know he did one of Nirvana and, and a few others and like he's just and he's just doing it all by himself. He's just like, in his in his apartment or whatever, and he's you know he's got like like a, a what are those called like a like a loop machine. Oh, okay. so like he'll play a chord and then he'll loop it so like it continues to play and then he'll come in and then add another instrument and then add another one and then he'll go and do a whole. So you're watching a song being made from start to finish it's really Mm, cool that's cool yeah i'll check that out yep so uh all right cool yeah uh what we're doing next is i wanted to talk about indie movies and the attitude that that uh indie movies and people that watch indie movies and make indie movies have and are they considered a genre is it a genre or is it an attitude um so look forward to that discussion zach Please take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, nobody likes idols with tarnished reputations.